get into it. We, all, we already had our podcast yeah. just off We've already there, done that. We? We've got that sorted. We've changed the world. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Put the world to right already. Lovely. Awesome. So we're here with Sharon Blaine. Thank you for welcoming or welcoming us to your home. Um, it's We really appreciate it. Thanks for My joining pleasure. us on the podcast. Um, we want to have a lovely, wholesome conversation with you, get to know you a little bit more. And also, like most of our listeners would be in the barbering kind of side of the industry, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. so than the hairdressers. Now, we're trying to combine that, you know, like I think it is getting closer to that um, for us. So it's great to have you on. I'm sure it's all very the- nice of you to ask me. I was very, uh, very pleased to have a chat with you guys. You've been doing some great things out there. So I thought it was great to connect. Yeah, absolutely. And it might be like, you know, not so much. A, we almost, we actually wanted you, no offense to any of the other guests that have been on, but we wanted you <laughs> as the first guest because it, would, it was so left to field, you know, it was just such a random one for like the barbering industry. Mm-hmm. But obviously we connected um, a couple of months ago through the AHC and stuff like yes, that that we're yeah. doing. And I was like, you know what, like Sharon would be great to get on the podcast first. So Thank we're, you. we're excited to hear more about your story. I guess a lot of people will know the story that, um, you know, you've told before in the past on different podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff. But I guess for us, we, we kind of want to get into the deeper stuff where it's like, what makes Sharon Blaine, Sharon Blaine? And, you know, we always like to go back and we start all of our podcasts almost with like the pivotal moments in your life that got you to where you're at today wow so many mm-hmm. so you're thinking of me starting right like when i was a teenager or where do you want me to kick yeah, off? yeah like wherever i mean whatever comes to mind first you know like i guess we always ask for people who might not have, have heard of you before um which wouldn't shouldn't be too many in australia if you're listening <laughs> to this but um if you could give a brief introduction of yourself and then yeah Maybe, yeah, touch on some of those pivotal moments. I can do that. So, well, I think if I do my sums right, and I try to sort of refrain from this, but I do believe it's now 56 years that I've been doing, that I've been in the industry. Mm. So I kicked off around 14, so that probably gives everyone a little bit of a sum on how old I am. So that sort of gets, (laughs) puts that to bed. Um, I started in a really small country town in Bathurst. um, So I kicked off as a very young apprentice there. I must say I lost my first job very, very quickly, um, and I'm pretty glad I did because I didn't like the boss. So I got sacked before my three months were up, mm-hmm. and then I went to work for somebody else, and I think I got pretty sacked after that as well. In fact, I think it took something like, I don't know, I want to say 23 different jobs before I finally got my apprenticeship. No, it wasn't that many. But <laughs> <laughs> I took, it took me a long time. It actually took me seven years to complete a four-year apprenticeship. Yeah. Because I went from one job to the other. And I was, you know, that sort of naughty person, the one that bugged all the bosses and and everything. And I, I guess I was always I had my opinions and I and I probably never found my tribe. Now I think about it, I probably never found the right salon that I felt that I, that I fitted. I think I was always a bit of a square peg in a round hole and I was very much like that at school as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I drove the nuns absolutely crazy. They, they Even as they walked in the, school, in the classroom to teach maths, they would immediately say, you, outside the door. Before they even wow. did, before I even had a chance. Like, yeah, come on, wow, they didn't even yeah. give me a break. I guess they knew what they were up for. So, <laughs> so I didn't like school, but I always wanted to be a hairdresser. You Isn't know? it funny, like how you, that happens in school and then you end up being like a teacher yourself or an educator because yes. this is the thing for us right we're in that position now too but I don't ever look at myself as a teacher you know mm. I never look at myself that way but 
it's the exact same thing for for me in school. It was like sometimes it was just this thing where it's like you out and it's like okay. haven't even oh. started yet. It's like yeah. <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah. all right then. Okay. I guess yeah. like yeah. I, I don't want to be here anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. I'm out. Totally. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I always was very creative. Um, not 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 in sketching or artwork, but I always did lots of things. Like my mum taught me to sew when I was young and. Uh, you know, all those things that mothers teach daughters to do. I could crochet, I could knit, I could do all that sort of stuff. I can do flowers, I do all that sort of mm. floristry stuff. I loved being artistic like that. But um, there was something about hairdressing that just got really into me. And I think, you know what, it might have kicked off when I was, wasn't even 12. But I had an old next door neighbor, beautiful old lady, and I used to set her hair in rollers every Saturday afternoon. And it was so nice. And... Um, and when I brushed her hair out, so I'd set it in the morning, go in in the afternoon when it had dried, and I would brush it out. And her little husband, who they were, must have been in their 80s, would look at her and say, oh, Mary, you look so beautiful. And she was saying, oh, you make me feel so good. And I didn't really realise just what we were able to achieve by how we made people feel. Mm-hmm. And you, I'm sure you all agree now with lockdown, hairdressers have been like the most sought after people everybody has missed their hairdresser because they haven't been able to get their cuts done their colors done etc and the salons were full of people when we got you know were allowed to come out of lockdown and i don't think we really understand the worth of a hairdresser Mm. but at that very early age i picked that up how important that was and you know i just loved the idea of making people feel good Um, so I, I struggled with my skills. I didn't feel like I was a great hairdresser and it took me a lot of work to learn to be good. But I realized to be good, I had to actually learn harder and faster. So, you know, I invested a lot of money traveling to London, um, doing courses with Sassoon's. In fact, I always joke and say, if I had the money that I've invested in education today, could be a really wealthy person. <laughs> but would I be a satisfied person? This is the question. Mm. So, you know, it, I've always loved hair. It's just mm. something about it. And even today, I, the minute I've got a bit of hair in my hands, something in me just feels so satisfied mm. and so rewarded. Mm. And that's what I think this industry is about. And I, I cannot understand how people walk away from the industry it shocks me when people say oh look i'm not going to do hairdressing anymore and i think wow how can you just not do hairdressing Mm. i mean it's such an awesome craft and a career yeah and that just that shocks me that people will just leave it and walk away and Mm -hmm. take some menial job yeah i think yeah what the way i look at it is as to why they might walk away is not seeing the opportunities or not mm. seeing maybe not having the exposure to where hair can actually take you yeah um and i see that because my mom has a salon she's had a salon for 30 years and throughout the years some people have left like some of her st- like her uh, team have left and um and they've gone and started grooming dogs and stuff like that you know <laughs> like just doing random jobs like that and it's yeah. like well like are you just really not seeing it but before i was in hair i didn't see it either yeah and my mom owns a salon for 30 years and i didn't see that there's other opportunities available. I think that's what's so wonderful about hairdressing. And, you know, even with barbering, I think even now barbering has become so cool. Mm. Like every cool kid on the street wants to be a barber. Mm-hmm. You know, but they've got to understand that there can be a bigger picture with that as well. And, and I mean, the one thing that people underestimate is what 
it's not just the broom and it's not just the shampoo. There's so much more. If I had ever been told at that very beginning what where my career has taken me, what I've achieved, what I was capable of doing, I would never have believed it in a thousand years. You know, from if they going, told you that when you were fourteen. Yeah, like I never thought about that I could work on a movie. I never thought that I would be given a lot of money to produce beautiful images for a big, massive international ad campaign. I would never thought that I would travel the world being paid to teach how to do hair. I know. Never would have thought that. Yeah. But you know, it's just it leaves me every night grateful mm. for what I've for what I've got. But in saying that, you don't get there unless you put the hard work hard work in at mm. the beginning. You, you've got to be skillful at what you do. Absolutely. I mean you can muffle along and, you know, basically kick people into thinking you're great. But really, you've got to be able to come up with the goods every time. Mm -hmm. So there's no doubt about it. There's times when I put on, I've been put under massive pressure when companies have reached out to me. Go a prime example. Um, I was doing some work for them in Germany and they um, wanted me to produce the images, the finished images for a new colour. Well, they're actually relaunching a colour called Colorance. And I was to produce eight images. And they sent me um, like a whole brief and they sent me a book like this with, you know, everything that was all the research about the product, um, what the what the images were to sort of to look like and so on and so forth. And I couldn't believe that they asked me, you know, a little person living in Sydney, that I was now going to be flown to Germany to create this work. And when I got there, I was so... Um, my brain was talking to me like, you know, you shouldn't be here. You know how you just do this whole negative stuff on yourself. And I thought, they're depending on me. Just get on your bike and just do it. You know, mm. like I really had to talk to myself really hard. But in saying that, like when you think about you, I've been like in Canada working and there's one of my images in a, you know, a shop over, in a salon over there or, you know, someone will send me a picture and mm. say, oh, look, I was just over in this, I was just in London and I walked past, and this is one of your pictures that mm. you created. And I'm thinking, my God, my pictures are like in shops all around the world. And it was like, it, it's like a pinch me moment. Um, yeah. But they had trust in me. So one of the things that I've learned along the way, if, if people reach out to you and they want you to do something, they trust that you're going to be able to deliver the goods that they're they're requesting of you. Mm -hmm. And yes, you might have to, yes, you will have to work very, very hard for them because you'll work harder for a company that's paying you than what you would do for your own collection. I believe mm. that. Yeah, 100%. Mm. When the there's pressure a little bit is of... even harder. Yeah, mm. yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, the pride and the sense of achievement is just, you know, it just lives with you. Mm -hmm. mm. And even at this stage when you're in lockdown and you think to yourself, oh, my God, you know, you have to sort of pick yourself up and think, look what you've achieved. Yeah. Look what you've done because sometimes you could feel very down and but you have to always call upon your past experiences to help you realise how far you've come. Mm. Do you feel like the lockdown period kind of helped you with that reflection? Or Oh, uh, look, there was a lot of reflection, but I tell you, I really was in like denial for the first lockdown. I really couldn't. I kept thinking I was going to wake up and it was all over. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't all over. Yeah. I guess you get so used to like being busy, right? Like you're, yeah. on, you're on the road, you're on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, you know, for me in my life, just to relate that to your experience there, it's like I didn't really take any break whatsoever since I finished school on, yes, up, until, same. up until the lockdown. Yeah, same. 
and like if it's the same for you it's a lot longer uh, yeah. than, than me so like you know for your that's your routine you're you're not used that's to right. stopping and and having to force yourself to look in but ultimately coming back to that place of gratitude is huge. Uh, oh look mm. i think that um covid has you know if if you want to take the positives out of covid i think it really has given us a chance to really reflect um I could be, you know, probably on antidepressants for the rest of my life if I chose that path. But you know what? It's helped me so much um, realize what I've done, what I can achieve. And I've been working on some amazing projects which would never have come to pass had I not been sitting at home doing it. You know, I was muddling away trying to do lots of things while I'm on a plane or, you know, in a hotel room in between classes. But this has given me a great length of time to really sit down and do things correctly. And think about it properly. Think yeah. about the mm. best way, not just do it and think, oh, I hope that works Like yeah. and pray. That's what kind of happens like for us when we're in a really busy period. Like we, We've got some really cool projects now that we work on with, with big brands. And it's like we just never even get the opportunity. It's like, oh, that's due next week. So then we just kind of compile something together. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, you don't want to get too caught in that cycle either. Because I then you're not doing your best. I think that's a scary cycle because then you look back and think, could I have done it better for somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, you but then know. you don't overthink it either in that cycle. It's kind of look, like you I just think, get it done, you know. You know what I, yeah, I, taught, I say to myself, I'm a big picture person, right? Mm. So I'll come up with a plan and I'll just get my little iPad and I'll get my notes and I will just tap away and I call it my brain dump and I dump all this idea into my head and I've got it now there. Yeah. Now I mightn't look at that for a while because I know I've thought about it, but I haven't done, I haven't got into it and sort of dissected it and worked out what I need to do to actually get it finished. But I've pretty much got a fairly good idea of how that will work. And I'll go back if I think about something, I'll add a little bit more and I'll just mm-hmm. keep building this story. Um, and then when it comes closer to the time, I think, okay, where is that? Let's now look at that. Let's divide it up. Who, what do we need to do? Who's going to do this job? And I actually start filtering out to my team to get the jobs done. Mm-hmm. And that's been that's how I've pretty much worked. So it might be if I'm doing a photographic collection for an award, I will, I will just, the first thing I've got to come up with is a concept. Mm. I can't just look at someone's picture and say, oh, that's amazing. I'd like to do something like that in my photo and just hold on to that. I like to write an absolute, like a full, you know, six, 60 page you know, sort of idea of what this finished collection will look like. I, I'm mm. a bit mad like that. Yeah, yeah. But I like a story. I always mm. like to get a story behind something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I may have got inspiration from something I've seen on TV. It might have been a movie. It, could, it can be anything. But I'll just start writing that story. And then when I start developing it, I've got the bones of how I want to work. And I funnel my head just in that direction. Mm -hmm. Because I think what happens is when you're going to do a collection, you think, oh, that looks good. Oh, that's amazing. And you just get all this stuff on Pinterest. And then you're like think, oh, my God, what am I going to do with all of this? You know, it's really all across the shop. Mm -hmm. But if you can channel your brain into really, you know, like a good sort of creative path, then you know that picture won't fit into this story and that picture won't fit into that story. But what it actually helps me do is actually helps me design here to fit the story. Mm -hmm. And I I would have thought probably, say 15 years ago, I would say I was a great copier of ideas. Mm -hmm. I think more so, and particularly with COVID, 
I feel I've become more innovative yeah. mm. with creativity. That's awesome, isn't it? Like yeah. being in the industry for so long. Yeah. And then up until like 15 years ago, mm. that's, that's how you felt. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Going back further than that, like what do you think has made you do that person, you know, like having that work ethic? Like where did that come oh, from? Oh, my dad. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I've got, there's seven kids in our family. Seven? Seven kids. Nice. And I had one sister who's just a little older than me and she was really gravely ill at birth. Um, and she survived, and um, she then she was caught up in the polio ep epidemic. So, you know, our whole family were, you know, all in lockdown. So we're talking about lockdown. I actually was in lockdown when I was a little kid of five years of age. I remember uh -huh. this. Our family were locked down because of um, polio. Okay. And, um, you know, when I think of vaccines, I, I'm very grateful because my sister would never have mm. lived if she, you know, the vaccines hadn't have come mm. in. But, you know... So going right back then, my dad was like burdened with massive uh, hospital bills and doctor's bills. And he worked for a newspaper. So he used to be what they call a linotype operator. So they would actually type out the newspaper and put it on blocks and print it. And he, then he used to do another job where he mow lawns. And then another job, he would be the deliverer of the meat man who delivered the meats from people ordering. And he worked in the bar. He was always working so hard to support his family. And we all went to good Catholic schools. You know, he paid school fees and, you know, we, no one would ever think that we were the poor kids in the street. Mm. But, you know, he worked really, really hard. Mm. And I never knew anything different to that. I yeah. always thought that was mm. normal, you know. It's incredible. Like, I, I was thinking about that as you were talking about your journey coming through. Like, how do we instill those messages into the future generations coming? Because... It's very hard to change your conditioning and what you're exposed to. Yeah. You know? And, and I, I feel like there's a lot of generational stuff in there. And, and I, I was the same. You know, my dad was a very hardworking man. I'm, I'm one of four, so I'm not quite one of seven. But, mm. but that was what I was exposed to. And that's what yeah. you knew. And it was packaged in a certain way. So, yeah, I really think, like, there's got to be a way to, it's, to get It is that. interesting. And it's, I think, you know, you've got to actually, I think for the next generation coming through that have maybe been in a an environment that hasn't been like a work, had a strong work ethic, mm -hmm. I think you have to make a call for yourself whether you want to be drawn into that or whether you want to step out of that and make a new path, mm -hmm. you know. I was having a lovely talk to Josh Gro um, Congrove. Um, do you know Josh? He's one of the mm. guys from the Fame team. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I yeah. love Josh. He's a gorgeous boy, and we have lots of conversations together. And he was saying he wanted to be different to what his past was, mm. and he decided he'd leave leave Perth and move to Brizzy because it was like a whole new change for him, it's a very and he wasn't going to get get caught back, pulled back into what mm. he was in. So, you know, sometimes stepping out of the environment and maybe, you know, it's not so easy for people to relocate, but, you know, your different circle of friends and people mm. that you connect with. Yeah. It's like the tribe thing, like you said. Yeah. You've, you've, you've mentioned I, that I now a few times. I think tribe is a good word. You know, I, I think about tribe as a, a really good word because I think it relates to, I love it for hairdressing. Yeah. Because I think more than ever now, it's more like, we're a bit more like a tribe of hairdressers and mm. not just a salon of hairdressers yeah yeah and the tribe i think what i refer to as tribe i think it's you know who they accept in their tribe because i do know there's salons that have certain standards and the certain look and the feel of how the staff need to look and that's where i think a lot of kids get caught up in i want to be a hairdresser and they might go to that salon 
but it wasn't for them. It didn't fit their colourful identity. It didn't fit the way they wanted to dress. It didn't suit the, the fact that they wanted dreadlocks and didn't want to have a sharp haircut. Yeah. You know, um, so and, and, and that's what I think, if we could even spread that message out there that there is a salon or an environment for every personality. Mm. Just don't go to one and think this is one size fits all. Yeah. You do have to shop around to connect mm. with the group that yeah. mm. you really feel comfortable with. Because, you know, it's like finding a new family, isn't it? Yeah. We work virtually and we're hanging with our work colleagues more than we hang with our own I know. family. Yeah. You know, I'm, I spend more time with Lee than I do with my partner. It's like, what can I say? <laughs> it's, like, a worry, isn't it? it's a worry. That's a worry. <laughs> it's a worry. <laughs> uh, no, it is think, a worry. We'll get there. We'll get there. Do we'll you think there is a... Um, responsibility on the leadership side as well because something that we've been kind of toying with in different conversations lately is our leadership style and recognizing that you know there are different needs of the younger generations now yes. even even the multiple generations going through I think for a long time there the expectations are very similar and people mm -hmm. adhere to a similar thing but now moving forward it's so varied out it there is very much and I think so. on the flip side as much as it is um, you know the the talent side to shop around on the leadership side I think we need to be able to adjust as it well is, it is very interesting because you know um, for many many years I had massive salon staff I had big salons I won um, one of them is uh, look I used to say 46 staff come to work in that salon every week so that was a combination of different people doing different roles from reception to childcare and everything in between. And, you know, the style of leadership there, the one thing I think one of the biggest problems that I probably found as a, as a leader, I was a great creative leader and everybody jumped on the wagon because they loved that creative thing. But when you had to turn to be the boss, because then you had to start thinking of dollars and cents, it was not as well received. Mm. So I think it's very difficult for a salon owner because at the end of the day, no matter what, the buck stops with you. Every single person can leave your environment and find a job somewhere else and you're the one left with the rent and wearing the bills, mm -hmm. okay? So you've still got to stand up um, as, a, as a leader and, and be, you know, have your rules. But I, I do think that my style of management those days would never fit today mm -hmm. although I think I'm one of the few people in my generation that's willing to accept that you cannot expect to train kids the way I train them mm. you cannot take apprentices today I think they will fit that mold of what they were yeah. for me yeah they're very very different mm -hmm. and that's why I think you know even the way we you know what the way we're training them the way they're going to college all of those things you know, I have a, an ex-staff member that said, well, you know, it was good enough for us and we had to do this and we had to scrub the, you know, the, the floors and we did mm. this. And, and she said, and they won't do it. And I said, well, would you do it today? Come they, on. They, exactly. they didn't want to do it then. They didn't want to do it, but they but had they no options. Yeah. But now they're rebelling and they don't want to do it. And that's okay. And that's yeah. the thing. There's so many, like these days, there's, because of, I think, the exposure of the internet has given us to make money in other ways. Mm. Like, you know, now you have things such as, obviously um like it's random but only fans and people are making money and stuff like that and like crypto you know people are getting rich in yes. in a day and they see the easy way everyone takes the path of least resistance whereas coming back to like your childhood and with your dad mm. like there's a certain element of like resourcefulness there that you just always yeah. work hard to, to like 
hard work and, and a lot of money and, and or even just money at all comes hand in hand, you know? I always believe that, yeah. Uh, whereas now it's kind of almost like I don't have to work hard to make money. Yeah. Well, you know? So, you know, you can be, you know, um, what do they call them? I, I always forget the name, like Instagram where you can people pay you to promote something. Yeah. yeah you know, um, yeah. influencers. And, you know, some people can end up with, you know, some ridiculous number of money, you know, amounts of money mm. by being that. But, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> you, your page can also go down if something's there and it's a whole of your business gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That can yeah. end in, in one day, in, can't it? Like that. Like yeah. we had this happen. Yeah. We had something on our Instagram feed that wasn't right and they shut us out of Instagram and Facebook for nearly three weeks. Wow. Really? And we couldn't do anything, no matter how we were there at the back end with them trying to resolve the problem. So you know what? We realized on that moment in time that no matter how hard we work on our social media, it can be snapped it can off be gone. in yeah. a minute. Yeah. And Unfortunately, been, we never lost it all, but I know a lot of people that have. And I've been having this conversation recently, um, even with my partner, and I'm saying, like, you know, sometimes we can get so caught up in our identity online that we, and we forget that that's actually not our business. Yeah. It's just a marketing tool that we use for our business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It can get mixed up. Yeah. I think it can get a bit lost in translation and... And that's the thing, I guess, with the younger generation now coming through to bring it back to that point. Um, they're just not really willing to put in them yards. But I think it's maybe like Lee, Lee always says, it's how we package it, mm. how we oh, put it together. Yeah. And I think it's that's like, it. you know, letting them know, having these conversations is the start of it, because, you know, ultimately there is work required to get to the result, you know, like to get to what you've done in your career, or mm. even what we've done in our career so far. It's like, yeah. it, even though it might have been quick, it's a lot of work. You guys yeah. have got there a lot faster. Well, we're not there. We're not no, anywhere. No, and you're never going to be there. You're, <laughs> yeah. ne- you're yeah. never going to arrive. But yeah. for your age and what you've done, you guys have risen to the top a lot quicker. And I think it's been, luck has uh, been probably around social media because, you know, for me to get to the top of, my crop, I'm only now, at this age, got a nice social media following. Mm. Um, so you guys, have, you know, you've been able to play in that arena. You're doing things like this. But what you're, what you're showing out there is so cool, um, so precise. The haircuts are so beautiful. You know, you're building a reputation on perfection. And I think that's really important. Whereas a lot of people out there are building their reputations on doing the same thing. And the same look every single day. And when that fashion's gone, God love you, mm. because I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. Love you that. know, so you can't just, you, you've got to keep progressing. You've yeah. got to keep moving. Yeah. And it's the human side of things. For us, it's like the skills as a human. You know, hair is something that we, we do and we're good at. Yeah. But it's like everything else is what we're trying to also teach in the academy is like the human side of things and how to think about it. Yeah. Rather than just doing it, you know, like I think you could line up your eight students every week and teach them how to do a fade and how to, you know, scissor over comb and send them off and they'll all be really happy. But I think the and 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 I'm sure you won't let them out until they've done a perfect job. But what seed you plant in their head is about how to not only please their clients, but what are you going to do with this for yourself moving forward as well? So that's probably the question you're, you're sort of going back to. How do you package that? Mm. 
And I think there's probably a degree of, um, you know, deep, you know, like whether it's an hour of uh, understanding human behavior and all of those sort of things, whether there's a small portion of what you teach and put out in your message, you know, that's probably very important Mm. to have people think a little bit differently because we are dealing, particularly in our industry, with a lot of kids that didn't do well at school. Um, although I must say, there's a lot of people. I interv- we interviewed a guy who did two years of law and then decided to be a hairdresser. Wow. So that's on one of our interviews, which I thought was remarkable. But you know, really, the kids that just didn't do well at school, they weren't they weren't encouraged because they probably just didn't get it. And I always refer to them as a square peg in a round hole, and they're probably more that artistic kid. And the program's not made for artistic people. They're mm. made for mm. kids that want to sit there and work. So they didn't fit in at school. And now you've got to find a, a niche for them in the workforce. And it does become limiting if they're not going to go on for further education, which is obviously that's not going to happen. We have this amazing industry that draws those sort of people in. And we can find so many, you know, there's so much of our industry that suits that sort of person. Mm. You know, even if you're a person with a learning, you know, issue, you might have had learning troubles at school it's amazing in my career how many kids that I've had that are dyslexic or had different problems how I've actually taught them to be really really great hairdressers mm. you mm. know even in the way I've had to train them it's it's different mm. but I, they've gone on to do really great jobs and they've gone on to be really good hairdressers and I think for me as a boss that's been always something I've always done I've always loved the underdog I've always liked to try and prove that I could make something out you know out of someone who was never going to make it I, you know that's my sense of what I like to get out of life mm. I love seeing someone achieve something like mm. that but I do think it's getting into their heads and having them understand that yes perfection is great learning to be a great hairdresser is great but it's actually you know, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to make it better for you? How can you go out there and, you know, just love this industry and just keep rolling with it, you know? It's kind of like the transmission of values, isn't it? You're trying to like maybe help them understand like this is how I like to see hair. This is what hair does for me. This is what hair means to me. Yeah. And like it could also mean that for you or it could mean something else, but it's, it's not just one dimensional. Oh, look, you know what? I like to show what I know. The reason why I share so much on my social media um, in skill sets is because I know how hard it was learning to be a good hairdresser. Mm. And, um, you know, people were, you would go to a hair competition and people would wrap all their products with tape so no one would know what they were using. Wow. And they would hide the sets because you can't actually take a photo of the model. You know, all this ridiculousness. And I used to think that is so, you know, to me the best value in life is to share mm. and you know I'm sharing an idea and I love to see what people do with my idea and how they take it further so you know the more I can give them techniques and short change that journey and make that journey a little bit lighter and easier for them mm-hmm. I think I've done a good job at that yeah. you know I think that's really important for me because you know it's so hard to explore and find the right answers for things. And that's why we are, that's why we teach people because, yeah. you know, we've got something to share with them. Yeah. Someone said to me in a class once, and I would, it was an avant-garde class, and she was a fanatical person about avant-garde. She said, you know what? She said, you've just probably shortchanged my um, learning and research probably by 10 years by what you've just shared with me today. 
because she said, what you're showing me, it probably would have taken me 10 years to mm -hmm. figure or find out those answers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's that's mm -hmm. probably quite true because yeah. it probably took me that long time. And even then, as well. even when they do find them out, they might not even be, there's and, still a sense of doubt. And what they do you know? with it though, but yeah. what I show them and what they do with it and what they go on to create is, you know, and there's never a day goes by that someone doesn't send me a picture and say, oh, I watched this video and this is what I've done. And I think, oh man, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought to put it together like that, but that's yeah. really great. Yep. So, you know, yeah. it's this constant, yeah. um, just, you don't realize every day you're teaching somebody mm. something different. Yeah. The and, best teachers are the best learners. Too, and the share, yeah. and I, just, I think it's just sharing. I love to share, mm. you know, I love to give my family to say I'm too generous, but I love to give. So whether it's my knowledge, whether it's my last penny in my pocket, like even last night, <laughs> I gave some poor old guy, I had nothing in my pocket, but I, oh, there's a couple of cents. I thought, oh, you have it. Like, that's all I had in my pocket. But I, I will do that. You yeah. know, I, that's how I am. But particularly for my industry, I think if I can make that journey of learning how to style hair easier and simpler, then I've really done a good job mm. for my time here, you know? And I yeah. think yeah. that's what it's all about absolutely that's how we look at it as well that's an approach that we have we're like if you really hone in and really learn to learn yeah you can cut years off your curve oh yeah. with us you know um and that's massive that's and you know you're probably looking at some of these um you know tutorials on social media and they're doing this and they're doing that and then they just whiz them around and they're finished and you think oh my god you yeah. know that's really nasty that mm. one and you sort of People people get caught up in that, but they've got to understand the simplest approaches usually are the most technical. Mm. Well, what looks so simple is usually the most technical yeah. Yeah. application, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. He's at, and it's like Owen's great at that. You know, he you get the simple things right, but it makes a very technical haircut. Yeah. You know, you yeah, do the simple combination very, the simple very well. Things, yeah. Yeah. The combination of doing the simple things really, really well with excellence, but makes a technically yeah. beautiful haircut. And I yeah. just would love to think anyone that's sort of like, you know, be it barbering, be it hairdressing, and this is what they're getting into and anyone watching this, I think you've got to take your eyes off um, a lot of this social media hype because there's just too much. You can you, you cover up a multitude, don't you? Mm. And what you'll see is something that looks amazing, but at the end of the day, the skill set behind it is not so great and it's not going to carry you through mm. you have mm. to learn the basics of everything mm. and perfect them and then mm. you can be anything you want to be yeah. but you can't just look at mary sue who's with somebody around with one minute she's got hair hanging down here next minute they whiz her around she's blonde and she's got curls and you think oh my god mary sue's an amazing person yeah. because you know that probably didn't even happen yeah. for no. two days <laughs> yeah it's not realistic and i think it kind of comes back to something that we spoke with Richard about um, on the last episode and he, he was saying that there's a book called Zen and the Art of Motorbike or what is it? Yeah, the something like that. It was it's a book, book, right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it, it was talking about like how, you know, when you're building a, a motorbike or you're, you're, yeah. you have to go through and you have to go through all the nuts and bolts and the screws to get to the part where, that you need to get to. And it's like, basically, you need to be present in that moment. You can't just be thinking about the result. No. We see that We see that a lot with young um young students and young people in the industry they straight away want to be on stage and they want to be doing the education thing yeah. they want to be doing the skin fades before they even do a two back and sides you know they mm -hmm. want 
go to the advanced stuff first mm. and that's great to have that ambition and that aspiration but don't neglect the basics because that's what's going to get you most of the yeah. way and it's like the tip of the iceberg thing you know the result is what you see at the top but it's the iceberg underneath is, well, is everything else. I totally agree and I remember sitting in Antarctica because I was lucky enough to take a trip to Antarctica and I always knew that what was on the top was only a third on the top and two thirds underneath yeah and so when you see that finished look on the top you know that there's a lot of foundation underneath mm. there that needed to be achieved to get to the finish on yeah. the top. You just can't skip the fundamentals. Well, no. And, and mm. one thing that's really admirable about your journey as well is that you've invested so much in your own education. Mm. So what that girl said to you about the 10 years, yeah. you've probably advanced your own career by 100 years. Well, you know, absolutely. So I do think I know a of all fair the bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I am, a, I am, I have an inquiring mind. Yeah. And I must say, COVID has allowed me to be more inquiring, which is not necessarily healthy, <laughs> that I've probably spent too much time, you know, in social media and going down rabbit holes, finding these amazing artists and looking at stuff and exploring what they're doing and going back and reading and, you know, mm. doing stuff like this. So I've never allowed, never given myself that sort of time. I've never had that time to do mm. that learning. So what I've learned now is just, you know, I'm just brimful of ideas. Like the other day, um, I have one of my colleagues in um, overseas and there's a, one of the winners of the British Hairdressing Awards, uh, Sylvester Finard, I think his name is. He does avant-garde and he is like mm. the master. And I've, I've seen his work. Incredible. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Did you see what he just did for the winning the... No. You need I, to check him out. I he, saw some of the ones he did on the polystyrene heads. Was yes, it? totally. Well, really he cool. won that collection yeah, the year before, one, but he's just won the British incredible. last week. Wow. And, I mean, he had to have won it. But I've been looking at this technique and thinking, what in God's name is this? What in God's name is this? And then I... I just spend hours just absorbed looking, trying to work out how has he achieved that mm. hair. And then I thought I started to Google weaving. So I saw somebody weaving a loom with um, fabric, with string, you know, like cotton, and they were weaving material. And I thought, hello, I think this is what this, this guy is. What it is. <laughs> so then, of course, I open up. You know, and I do a Google search on looms and weaving and just looking at all these Instagram, uh, not Instagram, YouTube stuff. And I thought, man, that's that's got to be it. And if he's watching, I'm sure it is. Uh, <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> so now I thought, okay, now where can I get classes? Because not that I want to copy that guy. Yeah, you just want but to But I'm skill. so fascinated with that yeah. technique. But he's done it in such a way that's so amazing. So you see a technique, but how can you now take what he's done maybe weaving hair and stretching it into something completely different mm. and it's like that's my goal so if i do see somebody that's created something so amazing i don't ever want to look like someone would say oh she's copied him yeah, yeah. i won't allow that no. that's not in my psyche mm. no it's, it, well that's the thing it, it even being in your psyche is, is you taking inspiration from that yeah, yeah. But taking rather than it copying it you and know? turning it into mm. something that you wouldn't even see the two of them side by side as mm. even the same yeah. but how could you make that happen yeah so now that's my new journey and i said to my partner today i said oh by the way i'm going to start going to weaving classes over at balmain because um, i found a class that i can do over there and i'm going to start learning to weave because i thought that's that's exciting so, like yeah. you know so i always see her as a fabric and i'm sure you guys as well do 
you know, probably say the same thing. So whatever I think can be created with a piece of fabric, mm. I believe I can create the same with hair. Yeah. It's just how, how you work the hair and the products you use mm. and how you prepare the hair, mm. then how to, to, to do, do what you need to do with it, with fabric. Mm. Yeah. Um, like you would do the same thing with fabric. So, you know, I believe that I can make this weaving with cotton yeah. and then I'll weave it with hair and then I'll see what I can do with that. See what happens, yeah. So, yeah. It's a material, isn't yeah. it? That's what we always say. It's like yeah. it's a material that you can manipulate in any way, you know. Mm. Mm. And even certain types of hair, you know, has that elasticity. It has yeah. everything, you know. Yeah. You can do anything with it. And it's it's great to, like, hear these types of insights from, from people like yeah. you, Sharon, because... Um, even with Richard, it's something that we didn't touch on. We were in the Uber on the way here and we were like, damn, we should have got like Richard to say that part of his podcast as well because we asked him where he came up with the idea and the concept for Peak, the mirrors. Oh, yes. And he was like, oh, well, he kind of just brushed over. He was like, I, I was at this kind of like design-led innovation class or something and then somebody said this and somebody said that. And I was like, whoa, 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 hang on. Like, you were at a design-led innovation type class and it's like the best... And then what we got into, sorry, before I go on about the best thing, the what we got into with Richard was the fact that like the best uh, teachers, sorry, are also usually the best students, you know, so mm. like being a good learner is something that is continuous mm. um, in our journey. Yeah, yeah, totally. And if that's something that we can instill in the younger generations from yeah. the beginning, it's like you need to like always keep your eyes open to new opportunities like that's a completely new opportunity well, this for you is something that's really interesting and also someone in one of the british awards a few years ago did something and someone said to me oh i think it's felt felt mm. so i immediately signed up for felt classes to learn how to do felting with hair and i came away and i didn't like that so i sort of i learned how to felt but i just threw that concept away but you know like i think that's what keeps me going mm. after all these years is this constantly being able to think of something and work on and then learn and mm -hmm. grow like because mm -hmm. the minute you stop learn I've always believed and someone from New Zealand sent me a message the other day she said I heard you say on a, a one of my Thursday night hairy chats that the the last thing that you learn in a class or the last thing you will ever know now that could be misconstrued in a sense that that's not true but I believe in a hairdresser as a hairdresser the last class you ever go to will be the last thing you'll ever learn as a cut or a color or a technique, okay? And if you choose not to go any further to learn anything else, that will be the last thing you'll ever know. Mm -hmm. now, as far as you'll go, basically. That's as far as your career, that's it. You've stopped there. You might stay there for 10 years, mm -hmm. but you haven't learned anything new to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think we have to realize that to continue to stay happy, to satisfy our clients, to keep ourselves wanting to go back to work every day and keep ourselves enthusiastic, you have to keep learning. Yeah. You can't I think stop learning. There's an interesting theme there, I think, in everything that you're saying, you know, that hunger and that resourcefulness and the... Uh, oh, the dog's here. Lucy. The... <laughs> Come here, It's okay. It's okay. Come here. You know, the... Um, Sorry about that. No, it's fine. So, yeah, a thing that I'm, I'm seeing when you're, when you're um, talking about all that with the resourcefulness, the, the inquiring mind, 
I think we're losing a bit of that in a world of convenience and like instant gratification. Yeah. It kills a bit of the, the creativity, the, the curiosity for, yeah, totally. because something in, okay, like I, I love the story about your dad and, you know, even I think back to my parents, they didn't really have a ton of options and no. they got resourceful within the environment that they lived in, which wasn't a ton of things. They just mm. had to work hard at that job get another one and another one and another one yeah. and they develop the work ethic. Yeah. I feel like as time goes on and the world becomes more convenient and double that up with instant gratification, we're losing the drive to stay curious and keep learning. Mm. That worries me because yeah. all of this is great and we all have this in us, but I'm like, how do we pass this on? Because like I say, these kids, it's conditioning. It's so ingrained. Mm. It's really difficult. Um, I, I think that... I think you could just, you can't just stop. No. You can't no. just think, I'm done, it's enough. You have to con continually challenge yourself. Mm. And I think at my age, it's even tougher mm. because I could already, the word has been is like, I think anyone from 40, late 40s, 50s in the industry, they get typecast as has beens, okay? I feel like it has been sometimes. <laughs> I'm only 31. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. You know what yeah. I mean by this. So, you know, for me to, to stay current, to come up with new ideas, mm. to try to be a leader and a trendsetter, um, that's the greatest pressure I have on myself. Incredible. And, you know, even still being able to throw a collection together for an award, to come up with new hair ideas, I'm challenging myself every single day to show the world something different um, because I could not go back and recreate the past. Mm -hmm. You know, the minute you start pulling on your old ideas and thinking somebody, oh, this is, old, this, I've done this, but I'll show them because this is a new generation. Yeah. You, you're absolutely sabotaging yourself. Mm. You're not true yeah. to yourself. Yeah, mm. it's a responsibility that you put on yourself. It as, is a responsibility. As, as much as you feel it from somebody else or from mm. the industry, mm. it's also like an yeah. intrinsic thing. You've got to, you know? I've always got to look It's the person good. in the mirror, isn't it? Yeah, I've always got to sort of keep mm. keep that because... Um, you know, maybe I've moved myself a little bit away from, you know, well, I obviously don't have a salon anymore, so I have nothing to prove there. But, you know, even as a salon owner, I was like at every course. Everyone used to say she's always in the front row at every course, and I would be because mm. I was the leader of that whole team of people. And if I wasn't in the front row of that course, how did I expect anybody else to be in the front row? Mm. And how do salon owners think that their team are going to be up and running and being fabulous every single day if they're just choosing not to be? Mm. Mm. So, you know, it's like the train driver. You're driving yeah. that frigging train. Yep. Yeah. And when they get off, why do they get off? Because you haven't direct taken them in the journey that you they want to be on i love it's, it um, i love it showing up as an example rather than like an, a warning sign you know yeah we're always showing up, we're always going to be influencing people in one way or another it's like how do you want to be do you want to be that example for people yeah. or do you want to show up as a warning sign what do you want to be known yeah. for yeah and i love to think that you know when i finally you know when i go to rest that everybody will have thought of me as somebody who you know was inspirational for them and you know, have been helpful and passed on my knowledge and, you know, somebody that they could look to, to guidance. And I, and, and I mean, I get that, like you talk about, you need that inner um, feedback sometimes. I think in your interview, you said something about that. And I thought that was you, you do, to, you, you'd love to teach, but you feel you need to have your cup filled back as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I, I teach 
mainly because I want to learn as well. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's like every time we do a class or every time we do a workshop or I have a new interaction with somebody else, mm. um, I, I learn something from it as well. Yeah. But even if like I, I started education, like w technically, you know, way before I should have. But, no, but if you're great at what you do, mm, there's not an age barrier. There's no yeah, age for that. Exactly. But like in that, like I was teaching classes about things that I didn't fully understand. But the actual teaching of it helped me understand it but fully. But you know, you sort of gonna have to fake it till you make it. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I've got to say, I categorically know when I stand there with a client, with a model and I've got a vision, and I've, someone's given me a picture, I know exactly how I'm going to do that. I know exactly how to execute mm. every single style. But I can't say that was always the case. Yeah. Mm. It was like, oh, um, I'm someone, you know, you're doing a photo shoot for a magazine, and they say, oh, these, these are the inspirations. We, we're keen on this and this and this. And you think, oh, God, mm. all right, how am I going to do that? But, you know, more of I've got more of age, I actually, they can throw me anything and nothing will daunt me. Mm. But that, that's sort of like faking it till you make it. And, you know, and if you didn't do well, I don't know about you, but if I didn't do well on something that they'd thrown me, I'd, I'd go away and I would beat myself up so badly and I mm. would spend weeks and weeks and weeks like trying to pick myself up. But yeah. at the same time, I would actually have that doll out and I was going to prove it to myself that I would get that right mm -hmm. for the next time if ever I had that opportunity. Yeah. I think there's a really good equation there. It's something that I think we need to encourage as well is just enjoying the challenge of it. Yeah. I, th I feel like there's something that when, when you talk yeah. about all this, you, you almost enjoy the challenge of it. And it I is. do too. And it, you can run from it and think it's just hard yeah. and a lot of people quit when it gets hard that's right but then but if you go actually this is a challenge i'm going to enjoy the challenge well, that's, that's, and then that's exactly there's so right. much to learn on the way and then when you show those lessons share those lessons then it's a, just a reciprocal cycle and that's yeah. what brings joy and to it, my life and that know. challenge is yeah you can either run away and hide from it or you can actually embrace it i mean i think of you you were playing hockey mm. and you know i'm from a hockey family ah, cool. and uh so i'm all about the hockey as well but you know like you know i used to be the goalie because i was a fat person but uh <laughs> <laughs> my teams i don't know why they because they probably couldn't run as fast but anyhow like if i miss that freaking ball and i tell you i used to get my brother for weeks after just to hit balls and we're in the, yeah. we have a garage there and I'd stand there and he would hit those balls and I was not going to let another ball pass. So I don't know what that is inside. I don't know where it's that conditioning isn't comes. It? I, but, I'm fascinated But by that's it. like, you know, whether it's a sport, whether it's a career, whether it's the styles, whether it's me, the leader of the team, I've always been. Mm. And I used to say, someone would say, oh, someone's leaving. And they say, oh, why are they leaving? Now, I as a boss could have said, oh, well, she's, you know, this, that and everything else. And I used to say, no. Why is she leaving? What did I not do right to have kept her wanting to keep going? Mm. And I would challenge myself. And it took a while for me to sort of break down and think, you know what? That's right. It, I, I actually did the right thing, but I always threw it back on me because I was thinking I'm yeah. the leader of this group. Mm. And if someone's not happy, then it's what, what, I, what could I have done differently? Yeah. It's the responsibility Asking that you have question. to take. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? There's a common theme, I guess, with all people who have maybe... Look, there's no levels to it either. So, you know, there's people who are deemed as successful in the industry and who, you know, 
somebody who just has their own salon and has nothing and to do with... And does an amazing job. Yeah, that's equal success, you know, if it's in their life and that's how they see it. But um, there's a common theme, isn't there, like between like all the guests that we've had so far as well. It's like everyone just has that something extra about them where it's like the work ethic thing comes mm. back to it a lot. It's, it's a conditioning thing, isn't it? Um, it's interesting how you brought out the sport as well. The, the yeah. deeper we're going, the, the, we're piecing the puzzle together. And, and I th- it's a common statistic. People with support, a sport background, there's something different yes. in the way that they view challenge. It's the principles that you learn through it, I think. you know. Well, I um, think team playing. Yeah, was always really good, and I think as a goalie, um, you know, my grandson's a goalie, and he's a soccer player, and you know, he plays under twenties. He's not even eighteen yet, and I feel for him because you know that's like the last ball that gets kicked, and you're the one that's responsible when it goes in. <laughs> and I think, why did you ever sign up to be a goalie? And he said, Oh, I love it, and he he's so into it, and and I sort of think, but you know, it's the team, the goalie's the last person that the ball gets passed. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's the team shouldn't have got it to that stage. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. building the right team yeah. that protects each other as well. I think yeah. there's a lot in that, isn't yeah. there? And there's a lot in the learning too. You know, I think sport teaches you that there's a process. Mm. Something we speak about all the time. And you do notice it. People that haven't done a lot of that stuff in their younger yeah. years, they don't understand. They get stuck at the steps of the process. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a great, yeah. I think process, um, sure. anyone that does sport, I think they they do come, they do have a good, great mindset. Mm. Um, they are very driven, not only for the sport, but they seem to be driven, you know, on all directions mm. of their life. Um, you know, you can't say that people that didn't, that aren't, that haven't done sport aren't. Mm-hmm. No, but, you no, know, no, no, but but no. I do see kids that are There's a common thing, sporty kids sure. that have gone up through the ranks yeah you know i always remember an interview with ian um thorpe do you know do you know thorpe yeah yeah, yeah. and uh he said he said he gave up uh, obviously after doing what he did he did amazing he said it's like sticking your head in a bucket for seven seven hours sticking your head in a bucket of water for seven hours that's what it's like to be a swimmer yeah yeah <laughs> and could you imagine like what it takes to keep your head in a bucket of water for seven hours like, <laughs> you know that's like just there's an analogy sacrifices, isn't there? it's like there's certain sacrifices like but to get what he wanted out of that situation that's what it was there's a certain sacrifice and it's like what we were talking about just before um we started recording um about the andre agassi thing yeah you, know, you were telling us about like yeah how how Tony he uh, yeah so that was at an anthony robbins he was one of his mentor he mentored anthony um andrew what's it how do you say it? Andre, andre agassi yeah yeah and um his whole goal his whole life was all about winning wimbledon and then when he got to wimbledon it's like he fell off the edge and he just was totally lost. There was just nothing. He didn't know where to go from there. So, you know, that's one of the biggest things is we do build ourselves up. And, you know, I'm sure there's a few people walking around today that will feel absolutely awful because they didn't win those awards last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And it's like you 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 didn't lose. Yeah. You didn't lose. You were there. Mm. And it takes a lot to actually get that mindset right yeah. as well yeah absolutely because you work so hard to build a collection to do or to do your submission for maybe educator of the year or whatever it is you've done and i've been there on so many occasions and you know what heart and soul you've given and to get this amazing sort of submission done or your collection done and you think oh my god this is just like 
your whole life you've just it's all you've done for months mm. and months and months mm. and then when you don't come out on top yeah. you walk away and you sort of think oh my god yeah i'm never going to do that again and you, yeah. you know you just feel like the bottom's just fallen out of the birdcage mm. but you know the better person is the one that can pick themselves up and just roll up their sleeves and have another go mm. yeah because you will get there Mm-hmm. You know, even some of these people that have never won awards for years and years and years, they get there in the end. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just that learning. And I was talking to someone today who didn't win last night and I said, what you need to do? I said, you've done an amazing collection. You need to look at what else you can do with your collection because there's so many awards out there now. And I'm sure just because these judges didn't vote you today, last night, doesn't mean to say other judges won't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's those opportunities and you can't just beat yourself up. Just mm-hmm. use it as a springboard for the next round. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a great way to look at it. I think a lot of the um, that the, the kind of uh, negative side, it, it depends what you tie to it as well. Yeah. You know, I think if it's only about being the best and number one, then there's going to be a bit of disappointment when you oh, when you man, don't get it, you know. It's a but problem. but if it's if it's more for us, we like to look at it as a bit of a confirmation. It's the tip of the hat, you know. If if you if you do win, it's like great. Yeah. And there's something I, I tie into that with sport as well. Growing up, you know, it it helps. I think to if you win early in life, just on a small level, mm-hmm. you kick a goal or you yeah. do something like that. There's something, it depends how you're taught to see it. I think if it, it's, it's almost like a confirmation moment. All the little steps you took to get to scoring mm-hmm. that goal, you're like, ah, that worked. Yeah. And I think that starts that thing in your head. Yes. And that's how we like to see the awards is like almost that confirmation of, okay, the steps that we're doing are working and what we've done so far is working. Um, but if we're just hanging on being the best and number one, then yeah, we're just going to go pew, straight off the edge of the cliff. Oh, I know. know. And a lot um, of, lot of hairdressers beat themselves up. They blame the judges. They blame yeah. everybody else. And you know, it, it's all rigged and all of that. You know, I will never enter into that conversation. That's not how I roll. Like I could be the, I could be down on Prozac for the rest of my life if I, if for all the competitions I've never won. Yeah. Mm. But the few that I've won, <laughs> you know, like they're, it's glorious it is but if you're going there just to be a winner in this it's so subjective Mm. that you cannot beat yourself up over that because everyone's got a different it's not quite like it's it's, it's not quite like Wimbledon is it where you lose by a score it's not that it's not that factual like it's very opinion based and and it's not like a maths test where it's either right or wrong yeah yeah yeah, you know it's like you know do you like that one Oh, do you like that one? What is it? You know, it's, well, I like it's both very of them, personal, but, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and Richard told us that. He said, look, the difference between winning and losing is so marginal, like sometimes, mm. that mm. it's almost nothing. Like, yeah. it doesn't even make any sense. It might be. And then he literally was like, what you need to do is you need to do a debrief and have a look at them and say, okay, what did we do right? We'll do more yes. of that. What do we do wrong? Not even wrong, but like, what could we, what, we have what done better? could we have done a bit differently? Where could we have some opportunities for growth in that entry? And yeah. I can pick 10 things from our Educator of the Year submission that we yeah. could have done better. Yes. But it was just something that, you know, in the midst of everything else that we're doing, we're like, oh, we'll enter that as well, you know, just... Mm. Yeah. And for us becoming finalists, it's as good as, as winning anyway. Look, you know what? It's It's recognition that your work was good enough to be up there. And, you know, the worst part is when... <laughs> you sit there and now your category's up and they're all rolling and the winner is and you're just waiting for your name and somebody else 
I don't know what it is that my stomach just like just drops. It's like, oh. Uh, I know. I know. It's almost like you you almost paint this picture in your head though of where you're going. Yeah, how you're going to. Yeah. And how you're going to say something. And then it just goes a different way and you're almost, it's just like, a, there's like a 30 second period there where you're like, you don't know how to act. Yeah. Mm. You know, everybody's looking at you like, yeah. oh. oh, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, my life is over now. <laughs> And I think a few of them will be over for some of them today. Hopefully they'll get back on their horse pretty quickly. I know, I know. Look, I think that's the thing. Once you get to the point in, like, for us, we're very fortunate that we're at this stage early. Yes. But it doesn't actually, whether we win or whether we lose, it doesn't matter. Like Look, as, long as long as you never lose sight of the big picture. No, and the big picture doesn't change just because yes. of a competition. Even last week when we, when we were quite successful at the awards, it's like, okay. Thank you for the recognition. It's lovely to have it. Of course, it's an honor, but it's about what are we going to do with it now to influence and inspire other people and mm. build upon their career and use it as, because now it's a platform, right? Like everyone has a platform, whether you win or you don't win. And it's about how you share and what message you share, sorry, um, is what makes the difference and how you're going to take that trophy, not just sit, come home and sit it on the shelf and be like, okay, that's it now. Feet up for the year, mm. which, you know, and I've actually witnessed a lot of people do that and it's upsetting. That's what upsets me the most when we don't win. It's almost like, oh, we could have done so much with that, you know? It's great but, for social media. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's basically what, look, I mean, look, our socials are kind of busy anyway. So it's like, yeah. we'll keep, regardless, we'll keep going. But like, I'm just like, oh, we could have done so much with that in terms of people would have listened more you know like it gives yes. you a little bit of a louder and voice and i think that's mm. why i've been lucky enough to have such a long life in this industry because i have constantly challenged myself to be in those awards at times when i think oh my god do i really want to spend the money have i got the time i'm always going to throw my hat in the ring and people will say why do you keep doing this There's, you've got nothing to prove and i know i haven't but i think it's just once again it's me thinking that that over the hill and far away sort of age that you know that she's still got some fight in her um so Brilliant. i guess i'm well ever i can keep fighting i'll fight 100 um, yeah. but i think it's also just the thrill of the chase as well mm. it's like probably when you get on a bike and you think how fast can i actually turn these wheels around yeah. or mm. you know it's just it's your personal drive it's the journey isn't it it's your personal thing to keep driving yourself and it's great to have something to drive that helps to, you to drive like, you know, having the goals to maybe win a competition or, you know, to enter. I think one of the greatest things about entering the, um, like, the Educator of the Year and those type of awards is, you know, they ask you for so much information. And um, when you read back and you look at what you've done for the last 12 months, you would never have taken the time to actually dump it on a piece of mm. paper and get it all documented and looking great. It's like your Bible of what you have achieved and it's forcing you to really re-look really at what you've done. Mm, yeah. And and then it sort of gives you a, like a little bit of a catalyst to keep you moving forward mm. because yeah. it makes you, you know, so proud of what you've done. So even before the nominate, before you even put it into, you know, nominated in there, the work you've done makes you really think about what else is possible. Yeah. And sits on the next and, level. It's kind of testing and measuring a little bit, isn't it? Mm. It's kind of it makes like... you analyse. Yeah, you're sure. analysing yeah. what... Okay, have, what have I done so far? And then when you don't meet the mark, you're like, okay, well, there's almost a part of us that's like, when we don't win, it's like, great. 
you know okay now it'll keep us yeah. pushing, pushing harder, harder. Jump straight yeah. back yeah. in yeah back into it okay we thought that that's what the result was going to be our expectation didn't meet reality and now it's time to get back in and straight back in keep training you know yeah keep yeah. pushing totally totally um and like you know cycling is the type of sport where there's so many variables involved like if you're doing a 200 kilometer bike race it's like and there's 200 other guys there's so many things that can happen like like that, uh, someone can walk out from the side of the road with their camera and take yeah. a picture at the wrong time yeah what then, that just happened didn't yeah, did you it? see that at the tour of france oh my god so that that can happen and like all there's just there's too many variables that can happen and you you get used to dealing with like disappointment like there's very you get your very few moments where you win you know yeah but it's no different to what we're doing. No, it doesn't change the course of what you're doing. No, yeah. so it, yeah. that transfers straight into the awards, mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. there? Yeah. There's, you know, you're more controlled with the variables, mm-hmm. with your awards, than you would be in a, with a bike race. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not a danger you've to got my life. too many other things <laughs> that can happen. Yeah. Or even the guy next to you that falls and you're gone down with them. But you've got a little bit more control. Mm. I think, yeah. and it's just the direction you take take yourself on. Absolutely. No, definitely. Um, so yeah, what's next for Sharon Blaine? Oh, well, you know, I will not rest until I see our industry. I sound like Donald Trump now. <laughs> <laughs> great, He's not so bad. <laughs> great, great again. Yeah. Look, I feel we really are, we really are looking at sort of like a, a, we've had a rapid decline and there's been lots of reasons why and everybody will share why they think the industry is at its knees. I mean, the main thing is we're just not attracting new people and we're definitely not retaining people. Um, once they finish their apprenticeship, they're leaving. Some don't even get to finish. And then we get a lot of people that don't want to work for um, a company. They want to work on their own. So we've got a massive change within our industry. And, you know, people will sort of say, oh, these home hairdressers. Look, you know, I think good luck to anybody. I think it, whether you're a home hairdresser or you've got a salon full of people that you're employing, it, you know, you're, you've all got the same sort of goals and aspirations. I don't have any negativity across anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I want to do, if, if someone says to me, what if you could change, I would want to see more kids come into the industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the biggest thing is, is to knock on the doors of those people that never thought of hairdressing as a career mm-hmm. and hopefully show them what our industry looks mm-hmm. like and then, you know, with a bit of like inspire them to want to maybe go forth and at least give it a bash. Yeah. So um, we've just on the final tale, I think we'll have that finished tomorrow, our online class. So we've done, I think it's 12 chapters and it's an intro into he- the hairdressing industry and mm-hmm. barbering. Yeah. So you guys have been part of that. So your videos in there as well. So uh, that's been going on now for probably about four months. I've been working on that project and that will be finished as of tomorrow. So that's great. The graphic designer finishes that and we're going to get that in there. So that's going to roll out um, in the new year with um, a department, a government department in Brisbane, and hopefully that will be around Australia. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be geared at kids 17 to 24 that have never thought of hairdressing or barbering as a career. Yeah, awesome. And um, so I'm not sure how the government are going to get them in there, but I gather it's going to be a free course for them to do. Mm. And it will be done as a, a classroom. So it'll run over two weeks. But we've created the content for the teachers to teach. That's awesome. And then the kids can refer back to it as an online product. So they can Mm -hmm. go back and look at it online 
or they'll be doing it in the classroom in both. Yeah. And then, of course, that's a great product now. So the other thing that I thought, now I've built this product, I think the next thing I'd like to do is offer it to salon owners and barbers as a as an introduction to anybody that knocks on the door. So yeah. they may have not done this course, mm. but, you know, you've got Joe that wants to join your group and you say, yeah, look, we're going to bring you in for a few days trial, but in the meantime, jump on here. Here's an online class. It's probably going to take them, I don't know, probably about a day mm. to do online if they stick at it. And they can do some questions at the back of it so we'll know whether they actually saw it. But it's going to give them a really good insight into how they should present themselves, how to make a cup of coffee, you're not allowed to smell, what to do with, <laughs> you know, if you're running late, put your phone away, how to do a caping up a guy, how to wetting down a guy, how to shampoo a lady, how to put a tint on, how to do a little blow dry, how to use a straightening on, you know, some practical skills as well as some really good information. Mm. So I think if salon owners got someone, a lot of them are so busy and a lot of them are probably not wanting to train people because they're just too busy. Maybe this might help them take someone on, give them a little run, hopefully might inspire them. But they could use this as an introductory into their business mm -hmm. of what salon's all about as well. So that will be an option for them as well. Um, the new tool, which we just launched one, oh, probably three weeks ago. So I've had this in my hand for 12 months and it's a new tool. So we're hopefully we'll get that nationally and internationally within the next six months. So that's yeah, been awesome. massive. Huge investment. Not much of the super left on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, um, I was hoping it was going to be July, uh, January 1, but now it's looking like uh, uh, February 1. We've been building for 12 months an international platform. And it will be every video that I've created, including boot camp, will be on there. And people can watch it in a choice of six different languages. Yeah, awesome. So it, can you believe one person who's not even a hairdresser had her earphones on for three solid months and typed away every word that I said on every uh, 300 videos I've created. Wow. 300 videos she typed every word into a text box at the bottom. She must be good at hair now. I said, did she want a certificate? <laughs> I'll send her a few certificates. <laughs> probably, she's probably listened a lot more than, than most people. Ah, I said, she must be so sick of my voice. It I must know. be dreadful. She but must anyhow, fall asleep listening to your so voice. That was, her, that was her COVID job. Yeah. So that'll be launching um, on the 1st of February. Awesome. So that's going to be able to be around the world. And anybody from Germany, Italian, Spanish, whatever... We're going to be able to watch it in the that would change the translation box mm -hmm. into their language. There's your super back, isn't it? Well, that's why Hopefully. I'm doing it because I'm sort of thinking. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sort of thinking, yes, I'll I'll take it out of my super because I feel like you've got to invest. You got to speculate you've to got accumulate. To, you've got to do that. Like if this was a new business, if I was choosing to open a salon, I would probably go to my super and spend all the money to fit it all, kit it all out. Mm. Well. I'm spending it in a different yeah. way. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited for the opportunities. But I am going back, um, kicking off in um, Canada and LA and Las Vegas in March, April. And I've already been booked for four different seminars by four different country, uh, co companies, I should say, in September, October in Europe. That's so amazing. I'll be going through to Poland and uh, Madrid. So they've already rebooked me. 
they already they had booked me before shutdown, the first shutdown. So now I'm getting yeah, back there. Beautiful. I don't know how much longer I'll do like face to face education. Mm-hmm. I do love it, but the travelling is the tough bit. I didn't realise how taxing it was until mm-hmm. I actually until got stopped. home. Until I stopped, um, I'll do stuff in Australia. But you know, I'm loving the ch- the challenges of trying to get the next generation to be hairdressers and whatever I can do to make that happen. It's really important to me. Well, that's going to leave the, the legacy, isn't it? It is. I want to leave a legacy. I want to be known for having done something and made a difference. Mm. And I, you know, I do know I've made a difference in a lot of people's lives, but there's a few people that don't even know me out there, and I'd like to think that I've been able to inspire them to come in and join our. It's such a great industry. It's such an amazing career path, and I just would love people to experience even just this much of what I've been able to do and achieve in their, t- you know, in their time in the industry. So if I can do that, I've done a good job. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's awesome. That's Amazing. me. That's great. <laughs> uh, we always finish the podcast with uh, with one last question as well. Um, do you want to ask Lee? Oh, What's uh, yeah. the question? It's, it's oh like, my I, God. Always, I always ask. Yeah, so I'm leaving it's, Lee. It's one of the most more simple questions that we ask. Oh, okay. And you can take as much time as you want to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> Could be fast or slow. Um, are you happy? Am I happy? I am very happy, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. I mean, I am very blessed. Um, you know, I have an amazing family. I've just got two new granddaughters, one yesterday and one seven weeks ago. I've got, that makes me six beautiful grandkids. I am, I am really very satisfied in my life. You know, I, I am blessed. Um, and I think when you are surrounded by a loving family, anything else you do is, a bonus and any other things that you achieve as a bonus so yeah i am could beautiful. i add to that <laughs> yeah it, yeah it was That's beautiful all I need it to was say. really beautiful i think yeah yeah there's your values tied tied up up in that it's uh, really beautiful yeah no yeah. i'm very blessed and um so grateful to uh, have such a, a wonderful family that support me and you know are there for me and always worrying about me I sort of mm-hmm. thought I thought I was a mum, but now they've turned to be the mums yeah. and the dads to me. <laughs> I think that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, that's so Your mums will be worrying about you guys here, but in time, trust me, you'll be worrying about them, mm. particularly oh. with what nursing home you're going to put them in. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely starting to happen. It's starting to happen. <laughs> uh, well, look, uh, it was an absolute pleasure, Sharon. Thanks again for having us in your home. Um, it was awesome to... Yeah, to connect, to, yeah. you know, and to do it in person is really important yes, for us too. Nice. You know, to have that human connection and yeah, it's a much more engaging conversation, isn't it? It gets a little bit deeper when it's in person. I think. Mm. Well, it's just been really great just to know you to get to meet you guys because you know it's been lovely to have you, you know, put your hand up and be involved with my little project. And you know, the minute I spoke to you and I saw you on a couple of um, you know sort of Zoom classes, Zoom meetings, and I thought, oh. This guy, I really like what he's got to say. And so then I sort of sought you out. And then I got to listen to your podcasts. And I thought, oh, man, these guys are on fire. This is who I need. These, this is my tribe. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's funny because like, when, when I'm in them Zoom calls, like sometimes I sat there for months on the RTO Zoom calls. And I didn't really know why I was there sometimes. But then like a couple, towards the end of them months, like and now like with what we have to offer to the industry now I know why I was there the whole time yeah but I didn't really have much to say but when I did say something I wanted it to kind of land impactful with a few people but I didn't know if anyone was really listening to it you know and I came away from one of them feeling almost a little bit disheartened you know like Mm -hmm. to a degree and then 
And then you reached out and said that um, you picked up on something that I said in one and of And that was things. that interview, that that was that uh, meeting with Shushula. Yeah. And everybody was asking what they thought this two-week class should be. Mm. And that's when I went to her and said, you know what, I know you've listened to everybody, just give it to me to do mm-hmm. and I'll do it for you because I know what you need. Mm-hmm. And I, that's when I reached out to all you young guys yeah. and, you know, got all these really cool people that said, yeah, anything for you, Sharon. So I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. My, my partner, Rick, says, oh, my God, you can open any doors, can't you? And I said, well, you know what? I think that's one of the advantages of being, uh, I think, earning industry respect. I think people want to play in your ballpark. Yeah. But, you know, if you're somebody who's a bit dodgy, you sort of think, oh, God, I don't know if I want to. But, you know, I always feel like I never have a problem knocking on someone's door and saying, you know, try to explain what I'm doing. Because whatever I'm doing, it's not for self-gratification. It's, mm. it's hopefully it's going to yeah. be better for our industry. And yeah. that's what it's all about. 100%. Yeah, so, so that's us. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank so, you. We really appreciate now your time. Now can I offer you a beer? <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Lee? Uh, oh, yeah. No, we, uh, actually, we actually don't even drink yeah, alcohol anymore. Drink oh, it. glass of wine, lemon, no, lime and bitters. Yeah, something refreshing could be nice. We have yeah. a, we have a flight to catch now. So, so we, what we, time will you need to leave here? I think I told you it was 40 minutes tonight from here. On about that, yeah. So our flight's at 7. Okay, so, so it's what's ten past five now. Yeah, I think you you need We'd to probably be, pack out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I did bring some cheese and vickers in too, but I'm going to say. All good, all good. No yeah, worries. I want you in yeah. that. Thank yeah, you so much. In the next couple. Thanks so much. Yeah. It was good. All right, guys. Cheers. Good.